Here, there, and everywhere. Where? SAFM 106.2 FM in Zanin. All right, so a, sci- a senior researcher at the, and the director of Sleep Science at University of Cape Town is on the line with us, Dr. Dale Ray, just to talk us through a stressful time it is, Dr. Ray, and when people are stressed, generally people don't get to sleep. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamela. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as, as, as I was saying, at a time like this, people are anxious, people are stressed, you know, all kinds of things are going through people, and, and that comes with with. No sleep. People often would not get enough sleep, which is counterproductive for our immune system because we need to rest to try and get our bodies to heal. Yeah, absolutely. One of the number one ruiners of sleep would be stress and anxiety. And I think we shouldn't underestimate the level of stress that we are all under now with um, COVID-19. And as you quite correctly say, one of the primary reasons that we do sleep is to give our immune system a chance to to do the housework, if you like, that it needs to keep us healthy. And in fact, all through the night, it's working really hard to produce antibodies against new pathogens to which we've been exposed. So it's a critical time for us now as we are defending against this virus to make sure that we are getting the the optimal amount of sleep for each of our own bodies. Dr. Rao, what is proper sleep? (laughs) That's a lovely question. (laughs) So um, I guess we look at it in, in in three parts, really. You need sufficient sleep for yourself. So guidelines are that adults need 79 hours, but that for some is six and others 10 is necessary. So there's quite a range there. And you need to be really truthful to yourself about whether or not you're, you're getting sufficient sleep for your body. You also need to make sure that your quality is good. So your sleep should be um, not light. It needs to be deep. It needs to, um, and it needs to be unfragmented. It needs to be all at one time of the day, so preferably at nighttime. And you shouldn't wake up too often during the night either. And then the other last thing to consider is that your sleep needs to be consistent in its timing. So from night to night, we should have a relatively similar bedtime and wake-up time. So in a perfect world, if you are sleeping that seven to nine hours and you are in deep sleep, all should be fine. But there are people who go in deep sleep and have really horrific dreams, for argument's sake. So sleep that is deep, but but also frightening. And I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Therefore, they don't feel rested when they wake up. Yeah, I think there's a few different things that are happening there. So in deep sleep, it's actually when we... Um, we, we do a lot of our physical repair and recovery, and it's quite different to the time of sleep when we do our dreaming. So our dreaming is our REM or rapid eye movement sleep, and that's a completely different aspect of, of our sleep. Um, REM sleep, we know, is super important for our emotions and for our psychological repair and recovery. Uh-huh. And um, dreams can be frightening and dreams can be very disturbing, uh-huh. But it's quite normal to be dreaming. In fact, we need to dream because if you think about it, that's when we do most of our processing of what's happening in our lives and our sort of emotional <laughs> assessments and figuring things out and putting things in place. I, I mean, I, I bring it up because often you'd find people with those problems who say it's been a, a recurring dream for years and years and years. I, I just simply cannot get rest. I go to sleep, but I, I, I keep having the same nightmare over and over again. Yeah, so that would be something that indicates that they're on a much deeper level in one's um, subconscious. There's something that is at play or disturbing a person and definitely working with a 
um, a healthcare professional to help you get to the bottom of that could well relieve the symptom of having the recurring dream. I mean, how, much, tru- how much truth is there to diet and sleep? You know, the story about the milk and so on. <laughs> is, is there any truth to that, honey and all of that? Yeah, one must be quite careful. You know, there is some evidence to show that certain foods may be sleep-promoting, for example, warm milk or bananas, um, because they contain something called tryptophan, which is known to be necessary for some of the components that signal sleep in our body. But I think the, the, the most important thing is to be careful about when you eat. For me, the timing of eating is probably more important than anything else. Okay. So making sure that your meals are done within a good two hours before you try to sleep is certainly a, a good habit. And not to be eating too late at night. So eating late at night is um, a really difficult habit to break. And it's very confusing your bo- for your body to be dealing with having to digest food late at night. And it often doesn't store it particularly well either. And and let's talk about the the light and devices and television and so on. There's a lot of talk about how that really can be very disruptive to your sleep patterns. Yeah, that's a really good um, question. So we are designed as humans to be very sensitive to light. So outdoor light, which is short wavelength or blue length or blue um, light, is very alerting to us. And once the sun goes down at the end of the day, we're really supposed to limit our light exposure. And now, of course, with devices and um, other um, things in our homes, we're exposed to a lot of light at night. And what that does is it delays the production of a hormone called melatonin. And what, what should happen once the sun goes down, our body should produce melatonin, and that signals to every little nook and cranny within your body that it's time to go to sleep. And what the light is doing that's coming off our devices, it's delaying the time at which melatonin gets secreted. And therefore, we don't feel quite as tired as early as we should. Therefore, we go to bed later, and we ultimately reduce our sleep opportunity because the next morning, our get-up time for work is very fixed. And, and, and so, obviously, I mean, the short answer is that no, try and limit that. I mean, what's the time? You spoke to us about food and two hours sort of before bedtime. When it comes to light, when should you kind of cut off that light? I think that somewhere between one to two hours before you'd like to go to sleep, you want to be off devices. And it's really for two reasons. The first, of course, relates to light. And what we know now is that the closer the light source to your eyes, the, um, the greater the effect and the brighter the light source, the greater the effect. So if you do have to work in the evenings, for example, we suggest you put a filter on your laptop or on your phone so that you don't get quite so much bright blue light coming off your screen. But the other reason for limiting devices at night is that firstly they're distracting and um, if you're using them in, in a sort of a social connection way, often you can just get one message for some, from somebody that is very disturbing or very exciting, and then that can either create anxiety or all sorts of other emotions, which can make sleep really difficult later. Or you can inadvertently check your email before bedtime and then see a horrible message relating to work and then spend the whole night ruminating and worrying about what you're going to do the next day. So giving yourself that buffer between turning off devices and having some time just to chill and relax in other ways is a really good idea. Thanks very, very much for that. Uh, very good insights about trying to get us to all sleep at this very, very difficult time. Dr. Dale Rye, who is a senior researcher and director of sleep science at the University of Cape Town.